welcome back to Anti-Social Studies. My name is Emily Glinkler, and I'm really excited about our episode today because I have one of my favorite TikTokers. Her name is Seema, but she goes by on TikTok and Instagram at Artlust, and she talks about everything related to art history in a way that makes me more interested in art history than I've literally ever been in my entire life. You should go follow her right now. For this episode, um, I asked her like what she might want to come and talk to me about. And one thing, she mentioned a few things and she kind of casually mentioned, you know, I'd, I could talk about porcelain and like why porcelain was so kind of interesting and important. And she kind of said it as a throwaway, like who, who else would ever want to just sit around and talk about porcelain for an hour? And I thought, me, that's exactly what I want to talk about. So in this episode, we are going to talk about porcelain, specifically coming from East Asia, from mostly China, but other parts of Asia as well. And this is going to be one of those topics that, again, it seems like what what's there to talk about, right? But what it really is, is this episode is a vehicle to just talk about the importance of Asia in world history and how so many of the innovations from East Asia, specifically China throughout world history, have driven so much of world history in ways that we often don't understand. So whether you're a big art history buff, whether you just have a beautiful like porcelain vase in your home and you want to know why you should appreciate it more, please enjoy this episode with Seema at Artlust. Today's episode is all about porcelain, or hey, pretty things can drive world history too. My name is Emily Glankler, my guest is Seema Rao. This is Anti-Social Studies, settle in and let's go back in time. Welcome to Anti-Social Studies. My name is Emily Glankler. I'm really excited because I have here today Seema Rao, and I, am I pronouncing your last name right first? Perfect, okay. Um, I came across you on TikTok. Your hashtag is art, or not hashtag, your username is artlust. And you have taught me more about art history than my actual art history teachers have. So Seema, how would you like to introduce yourself to to my audience? um, I'm very excited to be here. I love um, teachers and teaching. I spent a long time in my maybe first career. I worked for more than 20 years in museums and I worked in uh, museum education and I partnered with a lot of teachers and taught, I really, really miss teaching Mm. um, high school students, particularly. I taught high school, university and graduate students, but I miss the energy of teaching and I miss being around teachers because we're sort of a different sort, right? Like we always, we love doing that. So I did that for a very, very long time and then I switched and now I just work in a business, but um, I still wanted to teach and that's how I ended up on TikTok. So you are going to talk to me about porcelain. And I, I will just yeah. say that I'm sure there are people who maybe are like scrolling through and looking at the title of this one and going porcelain. What what do we care? And I just let me tell you the the amount of times I talk about porcelain in my world history classes. And so oh, yeah. I'm, I was very excited when you suggested oh, yeah. this because um, I will just say I'll give you kind of what I talk about with porcelain and then you no, can tell I'd me. Like to, yeah all the ways I'm missing so much information or wrong or whatever. But, you know, generally my understanding is just that porcelain was incredibly valuable. It was one of the main almost like motivators for people to be trying to travel to East Asia, especially China. Like I know in my um, world history classes, we always have those maps, right? And they have the lists of all the different goods that were traded. And it's always like silk, spices, porcelain right? Mm -hmm. And so I've always just taught it as like, it's important. Let's not think too hard about Mm -hmm. why it's important. Let's just focus on the trade routes that emerged and the blah, blah, blah. And so I'll be honest, I've never actually like really thought about why would porcelain be such a big deal? Why would it be something Mm -hmm. that so many people would want? I've literally Mm -hmm. like just never even thought that far. I've just gone, okay, it just is. It's just something people liked. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, where would you start us off? Like what? I don't know. 
So I was thinking, you just said Taylor Swift, you know, and um, I was thinking about, so I think the thing that's really, the, the reason that t porcelain to me is so interesting is about human desire. Hmm. And that human desire, humans want things where, that are harder to get. And um, we, did, we did go to Taylor Swift um, in Chicago with friends. My daughter waited online and she got the thing and we, the whole story, like everyone has this thing. And we were on the floor, we had a great time. And she was uh, playing Taylor Swift just now and uh, my daughter's uh, near the end of high school. And um, my, said to my husband, you know, it's just, it's hard to listen to these songs now because she was just so much better live. Yeah. I think that in some ways, that kind of explains like that kind of desire for Taylor Swift tickets. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that like you didn't get a Taylor Swift ticket. So people are like in the middle of the street selling yeah. hats, made up hats. And like behind the field museum, there was like all these like bicycle people selling like knockoff Taylor Swift music. Sure. And you know, like that in fact, people wanted a part of Taylor Swift, mm -hmm. even if it wasn't really a part of Taylor Swift. Yeah. And actually that is basically what was happening with Portsmouth. So oh, porcelain, anybody could have made porcelain. Like there was, it's just deposit. It's like certain mix of like a rock and a clay and you get the right mixture. Anybody could have done it, but it's huh. the technology that the Chinese figured out first. Oh, interesting. And so they figured this out and they start making it. And China is, um, I was going to bring a map, but I don't know if it'll help us. Uh, <laughs> but if you think about it, like China is basically the exact opposite place of that huge land mass is England, mm -hmm. right? And so what happens is those places were actually connected by the Silk Route. So it would go these camels would be going across, thousands of camels across, 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 uh, like a relay race. Um, and they would make porcelain. They'd sell them porcelain. And mm. so like you can imagine, like there's only so much porcelain a camel can. Like, yeah. <laughs> right there. They can carry a lot, but not so much. Well, so it's happy. I was going to say that's that was to me one of the interesting things is that I always talk to my yes. students when we're like, if you're trying to think about what goods we're traveling on, let's say the Silk Road versus the Indian Ocean routes, I'm like, well, a boat can carry more than a camel. Exactly. So things that are heavier are probably going to go on the Indian Ocean. And porcelain is sort of the exception to that, that like, obviously it's not the same as massive stone sculptures and stuff, but yeah, that always surprised yeah. me. I, was it like, could wow, go that both. I mean, it was exactly. small, small items um, and very few of them. So they mm. get to Europe and people are like, Ugh because the Europeans were making ceramics, you know, for, for a very long time, but the European ceramics were to, they were like not classy, right? They, they mm. I, I think if we didn't know what porcelain looked like, we wouldn't have that conception, but because it wasn't as finely, porcelain has a very fine body. Mm. Uh, so it's like very white and yeah. it was very thin, right? Cause they, the Chinese were also doing like, they had like, you know, pottery wheels. They're not like hand building this stuff. The Europeans also had pottery wheels at some point, yeah. but, so like basically what happens is there's just very few of them and everybody wants them hmm. like Taylor Swift tickets, right? Like <laughs> the, all of these people want them. Yeah. No one can have them. And so yeah. what I love about it is the first thing it actually does. So for, first people get this like obsession with it and then people are trying to figure out how to make porcelain. They can't figure it out, but it also immediately spurs um, local production. And so yeah. all of these people are making knockoff porcelain, right? And it, they do it over and over and over. Like there's Maiolica and Delft, where it becomes like a his, there's a whole European history of bone china and like all of these cultures in Europe are for centuries making knockoffs. Mm. And that same thing is happening in the Middle East because while it's like very few can get to the Europe, many, many come to the Middle East. And right. it's worth like noting, you know, when like 
when King Henry VIII was the king of England, he was basically the king of like a backwater that yes. didn't have that much money. Mm -hmm. And at that time, India was rolling in jewels. So like yes. they were, the Chinese were like, yeah, good, good luck with your porcelain needs. This person would like to have a whole porcelain room. Yeah. Go. Like, you know, or, you know, like, so they were, I mean, they, they were like, you know, I mean, the, the middle, the Ottoman Empire, it, like, I was going to say, I was like, I, if control. I'm getting my dates right, it's like Henry VIII, and I know Elizabeth I was ruling England for listeners who've, I'm actually, I've, I've done an Ottoman Empire podcast episode, mm -hmm. at the same time as like Suleiman the Magnificent. Yes. At the yeah, Gore, and, and Babur and, in and Babur in India. Babur, so like, and then I think Akbar later on in the Mughal India. Yeah, so yeah. that makes total sense that, that like you say. Babur 1536. Oh, there you go. So that, yeah, so that then, would be like Henry um, VIII. 1534 is when they, the Catholics. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think that makes a lot of sense, too, that not only is it just like, it, it's, you know, it takes a while to make, it takes a while to travel all across the trade routes, but then also, the, yeah, England is getting the, they're getting the sloppy seconds and thirds, getting, right? Well, and that's the other thing, like, I have to tell you, people after the Taylor Swift show were, like, picking up, like, you know, like confetti, confetti yeah, <laughs> confetti, like, and that's what people would trade, people would take and mount broken pieces of porcelain. Wow. Because it was worth so much, right? Like, they were like, oh my God, it's a thing, it's a thing. But, and can I ask a dumb question? Yeah. No, Which is no like, dumb question. Is, uh, is porcelain inherently better in any way? Or is it just that it was like nicer looking and then it was rare? Porcelain is inherently better. It's fired okay. at a higher temperature. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's better if you're looking at aesthetics. I mean, like, okay. they're all watertight, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I mean, stoneware, yeah. stoneware is less fragile on mm -hmm. some level. All porcelain, I mean, all ceramics is actually not very fragile. It's a thing that people believe because we've all broken a plate. Yeah. But it's not actually that fragile. Mm. Um, it doesn't have, like, actually paper and fabric is way more fragile glass mm. is more fragile but yeah. no it is definitely aesthetically because it's but it also it, it's also like even the quality of eating off of porcelain feels different than eating off of stoneware mm. it feels finer it feels um, clean I, I would imagine it feels cleaner yeah. too yeah like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and okay. i think you know you should think that aesthetics are an important tangible improvement totally. right like that's so so it also is prettier like you couldn't mm. get I mean, I think one thing, so, so, you know, I say it comes around the, you know, you, you already said the sea rep, but I think it's important. So, so they, it's going around and then they figure out these boats and boats are great because then they can put all this heavy stuff in there. But actually the porcelain, what's interesting is the porcelain also serves as ballast, huh, right? Explain. So they're putting it because like, it's like buoying up the boat. Like you're, you know, like you're thinking about what you're putting in your boat and you're putting in these containers, empty containers. You're putting in air into the, into the, you know, into your boat. Yeah. It's heavy, but it's got air in the middle. And the other thing about porcelain is the thing that was really expensive coming from Asia was um, foodstuffs, spices, mm -hmm. tea, and your level of rot that you would have from that. Like you're, like the nice thing about porcelain is you pick it up and actually it look basically looked the same when you got to the other end. I mean, yeah. there was certainly breakage. But not like to the volume that I think people imagine. People it's imagine, a reliable like, product. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna, it's not gonna get racked, whatever. But it also like kind of, you know, it's like a good thing to ship. Like you're like, okay, I could ship that. That's gonna be like an easy thing to ship. So mm -hmm. much more is coming into Europe. And so I think the other thing that's really interesting is it's when, um, you know, like a commodity. It also really tells us a lot. Like if you're trying to understand 
desire and commodities and when things change like this is something i think about all the time like i think about things like godiva chocolates mm -hmm. they were so rare and they were so luxurious and then they became like just everybody could have godiva chocolates and now they don't matter yeah now porcelain didn't quite get to that level but certainly porcelain was something that by you know, like by the Victorian era, people weren't like importing porcelain from China. First mm -hmm. of all, by that point, you know, by the, the Baroque era, um, I think it's maybe like, I try to remember when the guy figured out porcelain. I think it was like in the 17, maybe like 17. Josiah Wedgwood? Is that who we're talking about? It was actually no? a German first. Oh, interesting. Wedgwood did too, but I think it's like 17 something. Let's see. That they finally figured out how to just create porcelain yeah, in Europe. Themselves. Yeah. I wonder why, do you know why it took them so long? Yeah, didn't, I mean, I mean when I did think... China first make porcelain? It was millennia earlier. Yeah, <laughs> millennia. yeah, I was going to say like a thousand years before that. So what took yeah. the Europeans so long? Chinese arts, ceramics. There was a lot of ceramics, so mm -hmm. they were really good at ceramics. You know, like by the you know by the six hundreds, they're making like they're making a whole grave out of ceramics. Oh wow! Right, like the Qingzhi Wangdi's tomb. It's in the Tang Dynasty. I have to look up the date. Oh, that's right, like the Terracotta tomb. Warriors yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yes. so they're making like all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I think that what you had is sort of a perfect storm of like figuring it out. And so what I think is not happening in Europe at the same time is like there's just Europeans. Like you don't. It's not like the Chinese were making oil painting. They were just working on different things, right? Yeah. And, like the more that you have people doing these things, like there's these stories of like. Um, you know, whole families, they just work in ceramic. They go from tomb in the Tang Dynasty from, and that wasn't porcelain, that was um, ceramic, but that they were work, going from tomb to tomb to tomb, building, 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 making, mm. making, making. Yeah. Um, so I think that that was probably part of it. And one interesting thing for some context and anyone listening who has taken or taught AP World History, there's a word that always shows up when we're talking about like the Song Dynasty in China, which is proto-industrialization. And that's mm -hmm. sort of what this is, is that China and then later on India too, um, they're going to almost like, quote unquote, discover a lot of the element elements that we're going to come to find. And we're going to associate with like factories in the industrial revolution. Like you said, almost assembly line, that sort of thing of, like you said, this might be a whole family that specializes in this one thing. And then they travel around and they're, they become like the experts on this one element of the process. And so, yeah, I think... I think that makes a lot of sense. I also like that explanation, though, of that, you know, Europeans were working on oil paintings and Chinese artisans were working on silk and porcelain, right? And that it's like, it just turned out that um, porcelain arrived to Europe and was way more desirable as a product than like oil paintings arriving yes. to China, right? And, and that so... was the other thing. There was a huge trade um, deficit, right? Like there was like, they didn't want any, they didn't want anything from Europe. Yeah. Um, they were like, we're good. I mean, it's partly because they had, they had some, they did love things from Central Asia. Yeah. You know, I think that people underestimate how powerful Central Asia was during the Silk Route. Totally. There was so much arts and culture happening there. Like I think of art, like the arts always, it's like, you only have so many eggs, you only have so many, you look which baskets you're putting it in. <laughs> yeah. Right, like, and that's just, I think that's where when you look at, when you compare and contrast cultures, that's where you're seeing like, like, um, you know, some of them are just like, I want to build as many giant buildings as I can. Some mm -hmm. of them are like, you know, actually, I want to put all my money into tapestries or paintings or yeah. whatever they're putting it into. Ceramics, in the case of the Chinese. But the Chinese, part of the reason they did it, and I think this to go back to boats, it was big business. Like, I don't, right. I, you know, this was not like, there wasn't like, it was just money. Like, there was a huge, huge business. There was a whole town, basically, uh, Jing to Jing, that just made porcelain. Yeah. And there was porcelain kilns that were specifically making stuff for export. 
Like hmm. they didn't, they weren't even, they, because, because the Chinese themselves valued a very different thing. And this is sort of like, like I think about how, it's not quite the same analogy, but like how McDonald's is different everywhere. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So like McDonald's ships out, like they have McDonald's Japan, Japan and they have certain things and da, da, da. And the Chinese were doing that. Hmm. They were making things for each market. They were like, I, okay, those people like tulip vases and those people like, you know, yes, I know, and I know pots and I know um, this is slightly separate, but on the AP World History DBQ actually a few years ago was about the Portuguese arriving in the Indian Ocean and like to what oh, extent yes. the, did they disrupt trade and stuff. And it was really fascinating. And um, one of the documents that freaked all the students out was this ivory carved box and it was like created in India using porcelain for Portuguese export. And that was exactly yeah. what it was, right? The whole point was like, oh yeah, wow, their exactly. industry has grown so much that they're literally, and I think in it, it maybe had like Christian symbolism or something. So the whole point yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, no yeah. one's making this for Indians. It. Like they're making this for people over in Europe. But students were like, what the hell was that box? Like no one had any idea what to say about it on their essay. But um, that's what that reminds me of. And I think we, when we think about the past, we we somehow assume they were different people than we are and that they... It, exactly. They and just it's wanted like, stuff. This is marketing. They, just, they liked fancy things. Yeah, it's marketing. They're looking around going like, wow, it's those people marketing. seem to really like tulips. They seem to like when we paint blue on them or whatever. And then they're just like, I guess we got to make more of those and ship them out. Like if you're an Etsy drop shipper, like you're essentially going through the same principles, right? Exactly. And it's, well, even yeah. the blue and white, you know, that the yeah. Chinese didn't that wasn't their favorite color. That wasn't their favorite. Oh, interesting. I mean, there's blue and whites, but it's just not their favorites. Their favorites mm. were monochrome wares because you could tell how perfectly glazed they were. So mm. they loved those. And then they also loved like uh, Celadon wares, which is like a pale green. And oh, wow. so they loved those. But the but the reason that they made so many blue and whites is because for the people who are European, it looked like Asian-y to them. Yes. So yes. it looked, it looked expensive and imported. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's like having a Louis Vuitton bag. And you want the logo on there. That's right. And mm -hmm. then even, and then when these other people were like making Maiolica and Delftware, which are just European non-porcelain blue and white wares, they made them blue and white. Right. So that they look, so like it's a knockoff Louis Vuitton bag. And even like the shapes of it. Like you see that they uh, in China they don't drink teacups with a with a handle, right? Mm -hmm. But if you look at the ones that they're exporting for Europeans, they put a handle on it because they were good marketers. <laughs> yeah, right. they understood their audience, right, of yeah. who they were selling to. Exactly. And that's what's really interesting, and that's why I think this topic is interesting because tell me, like, if anyone's listening, and I don't want to like oversimplify, but if you walked into, let's say, your grandma's house. Tell me there wasn't a piece of porcelain or a vase that was like white, kind of quote unquote oriental style, right? With blue paint on, I mean, like it's everywhere. And I just think it's even, to, and actually to that point, do we still use oriental when we're talking about artistic style? Or is uh, that no. not, not a thing we're using? No, oh, I, shoot. when I started in the field um, in, like we were taking it out like in 2000 in rugs okay that might have so been you my might confusion say, you could say like there's an oriental rug like you would say yeah. it, um not if the rug like you when when you see it in writing and labels and stuff they say it when like i was actually just doing oh i just did a video today actually about somebody asked me to do a video about orientalism and i so you can use the phrase the word orientalism in art but it is not for people and it's not for art right. made by people from the orient <laughs> okay so, so it's okay, orientalism this is... is um Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I'm going to keep all this in, by the way, because I think this is a really common mistake. I think I know there are a lot of people, myself included, who would refer to that type of porcelain as like oriental style. And so you're saying we're not not using that as an adjective. mm -hmm. We're using what what would be what is orientalism then, if that's what we're. So so this is where it's like so confusing. So orientalism in art is a period of french art where they were influenced by the middle east right okay (laughs) there's no there's no i don't know i don't where it came from i do know where it came from because you know the occident and orient were actually about the split it's what we call like sometimes people call the levant um Mm. or the middle east the Mm -hmm. near part of the middle east yeah you know what's lebanon syria and then basically like turkey in that way was the occident and Mm. you know the levant anything down was the occident so that's you know it was the orient so that's Mm. it's east and west that was the east and west originally right Right. like the three kings were from the orient Mm -hmm. so oh yeah so like that's Mm -hmm. where it's confusing because the three kings when i say the three kings are from the orient if you're like my age you're like they're not from china but it has nothing to do with any of these conceptions so orientalism has nothing to do with china it has to do with french people being excited about the middle east and so you can say Orientalism for that very specific kind of art. So are you saying, this is going to blow my mind. Are you saying that like, it's never, like we've never referred to, I, I say this like academically, No, 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 scholarly. we did until about 20 years ago. Okay, good. Because I, but I mean, so yes. talking about when yeah. we, because I know that for a long time, like instead of East Asian, it was like Oriental. Yeah. And I knew no, that was something. very, probably the, in my career, we haven't, but probably about 20 years ago. Okay. We stopped doing it. And just to clarify, I always knew that that was not something you would refer to like a human being as, but no, I, I always thought yeah. when you're describing like an inanimate object. So that, by the way, thank you for all of that. You're that welcome. is like a you're perfect welcome. example of what this podcast is for is that- Well, good. I'm glad. Oh man. Okay. That's fascinating. That was a very helpful tangent. And I think probably helpful to a lot of listeners because I know, I know that's one of those that generationally, right? It's one of those words yeah. and phrases that's getting phased out and people are all still unsure of like, when do I use it? When do I not? And I think that's good to know that just in general, you don't, unless you're mm-hmm. talking about this very so specific very art specific movement yeah. which is not even probably what most people think it is so nope <laughs> no. it's like harems i was gonna say images that of harems it's yes. like um it's like a it looks like aladdin like if you were like yes. making a oil painting of aladdin that yes. would be orientalism it's this like exotic it's, like we're making we're turning right. it into this like that's super right. exotic that's thing 100 percent. Right. That's, right. that's that's that um and if you see blue and white porcelain or any asian art you just say asian, asian. and in fact if you don't know what the asian is say asian right because actually, there's a lot of people who are consistently fooled because um, Koreans and Japanese really, when the market gets big, then all these other people are doing it. It's like mm-hmm. when some song gets big and then everyone's doing kind of the same song. Yeah. And you're like, oh, did we just hear that song? Yeah. <laughs> um, that the the Chinese and um, uh, sorry, the ja- the Japanese and Koreans were making blue and whites. Right. And so, like, I I easily can tell the difference. But if you're not like, if you don't know, go with Asian. So, okay, what, is there anything else that you feel like is interesting about this topic? Anything else that you feel like can help us better understand? Like, cause I think something like porcelain and to me, I almost feel like you could copy and paste most of what you said, um, just very generally speaking, and also mm-hmm. talk about silk in the same way, oh, right? That yeah. like the Chinese, yeah. like discovering how to make silk and yeah, it being this big secret. Sure. And then it becomes this thing that everyone wants. I mean, it's that same idea, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I'm curious, is there anything else that you find so really I think fascinating? It's a good comparison to, 
silk in some way. So silk mm -hmm. is certainly like the commodity, the monopoly, the like trying to find it, the story of the sneaky. There was somebody who snuck silkworms. Silkworms into the Byzantine Emperor. Yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the fact that, you know, it was hard to trade. You had to go to the But I think that there's a big difference. I think to me, the reason I love thinking about porcelain hmm. is that um, porcelain, rosewood, or, you know, like there's a lot of commodities, silk, you know, silk, a lot of things that people made. They, um, they were used for a lot of things, but they didn't, the people who were making it didn't transform wholly the way porcelain did. Hmm. So porcelain, for example, and I said the teacups earlier, so tea comes out, right? And tea's from China and then they like make all these markets. They're selling, growing it in India, selling it all around the world, making new markets. And then these people making porcelain are like, wait, actually we can make a million we can make a mint by coming up with crazy things people don't need, know they need <laughs> you know like we like we have an air fryer my kids want an air fryer so badly uh -huh. we have an air fryer we don't like use it that much but no. my kids really want one mm -hmm. so this is what's happening with porcelain so they're like making these markets and then they have tea caddies not only do you need to drink tea but you have to have a container to make tea and then you have mm -hmm. to have a teapot yes. and then you have to have at least three tea sets like how brilliant is that uh -huh. or like sugar there's beautiful sugar casters that are porcelain. They're like, hey, we're going to like take over whole islands, yes. rose sugar, <laughs> and then bring it to another country, things. and we're going to make this pretty thing for it. Hmm. I mean, like those, even our culture of tchotchkes in some ways is tied to sugar because they would make, um, in Europe, they made these amazing sugar sculptures that were painted. I always think I'm going to do a TikTok and then I never do. But um, they the paint them and they were like so expensive. These sugar sculptures were so expensive. They were like, let's make them in porcelain so it'll be cheaper. Wait, you mean a sugar sculpture, like literally a sculpture out of sugar? Mm -hmm. And then they would like, re but then they would recreate it in porcelain so it just looked like sugar? It's like that guy, we call him on our t on my um, podcast, uh, we, we call him Monsieur Le Chocolat. <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy, mm -hmm. uh, Gory or whatever his name is. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So like if he was making them, imagine him making them out of sugar. Got so it. they would make these sculptures out of sugar for big parties, mm. but they were so expensive because sugar was so expensive. And so they would make, they decided, let's make them out of porcelain. Wow. And like porcelain became this culture of tchotchkes. Like people would have, yeah. like we didn't, there wasn't tchotchkes before porcelain. Think yeah. about that, like the whole category of things did not exist. Because it was just so, it was such a marker of status yeah. and wealth exactly. that you were like, I'm going to have a little porcelain thing that exactly. might even be not useful at all to me. It's, that's going to sit not. on and my shelf. And it's not shelf. even like pretty, like it's not yeah. like a painting. I don't mean it's ugly, but like it's not sitting in the middle of, like it's not over your fireplace. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like in a cabinet. Like, it's literally like, why well, you have a corner cabinet now. Because <laughs> some guy wanted to have sugar sculptures. You have now have a corner cabinet with tchotchkes you have to dust. Right. But, like, I think, like, for me, that's why porcelain... Porcelain has shaped so much of us. Like, we just mm. don't even think about it. Like, a coffee cup? I mean, we everything we think of, a lot of things are partly because of this commodity that, honestly, no one ever needed. Right. Like, we had ceramics. Like, that's all yeah. we needed. We just we needed, needed a this cup. fancier version. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I think is so interesting about something like porcelain is that, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning, I was like, is there some inherent reason beyond it's prettier? And and I think I, you know, I get that question from students a lot because uh -huh. we'll be talking about the transatlantic trade. We'll be talking about the, the slave trade and the Middle oh, yeah. Passage and sugar plantations and tea from yeah. Asia. And students are like, is it really just that they wanted sugar? Like they were willing to enslave whole populations of people. And I'm like, 
Yeah, like it really was. I mean, obviously it grows into this whole economy, right? But it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, at its core, it's that some people just yeah, wanted just really design. nice things. I mean, like you can argue, and I, I mean, I do think porcelain is truly more durable. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like all those things, but not to the level that you needed to transform the globe. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was worth that. And so yeah. I think that, but I think that that's what, what you said to your students. It's all about desire. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I get it. Like, I have to tell you, like the desire in my house to get this damn Taylor Swift tickets. I mean, I liked her. She it was, was real nice. She waved at us. We were, we were, we were, there. we were close enough. We got to be waved at. I'm so, yeah. what a nice woman she is. Um, and I, God bless that lady. She sang for three straight hours. Oh my God. It was amazing. I saw, I saw her twice, not to brag, but it was Oh, incredible. aren't you fancy? Um, <laughs> exactly. So, see status. I got to see her twice. Because we would talk about like these, like, you know, talk about like, um, the courts of France and their desire for porcelain or, mm. um, you know, like the Germans who were just like going nuts trying to find, get porcelain. And they'd be like, what is wrong with these people? And yeah. I was like, oh. You really? You want to talk about the fact that you just like were waiting for a sneaker launch? <laughs> I sneakers is the is always the thing I bring up. I'm like, I'm like, who in here has Yeezys? Like, I don't even know what Yeezys are, but I say it and they laugh because they can tell I have no idea what I'm talking about. But someone raises their hand and everyone's like, ooh, and I'm like, exactly, porcelain. That's all it is. You know? Yes, oh it is. God. It is. This is the other thing I like to bring up, which is it's a tangent, but it's make, it's making the same point, which is like pineapples, right? Like there was a moment in oh, time. Yeah when pineapples were so rare because they were, you know, you, I mean, think about how far you had to travel and then transport it really quickly back and whatever, that pineapples became this symbol of wealth where now I think it's England and other places. You wander around, you'll see pineapple imagery everywhere. Mm-hmm. You'll see it in wrought absolutely. iron fences and stuff oh, because it just became this Here like- in the States too. In, in the, the States South. too, right? It's like, it became like a, a housewarming gift. Mm-hmm. It became a centerpiece. Mm-hmm. I know there's mm-hmm. some royal portrait. I can't remember who it is of him receiving the first pineapple. And it was like a whole yeah, royal I portrait just for that. So it's the same thing. It's so dumb out of context. You zoom out and you're like, that's so stupid. And yet you look at what we're doing and you look at the things oh, that we're valuing about, and desiring. You know, this sort of idea of blue and white porcelain was like, didn't mean anything to anybody. Then somebody was like, I really want it. And it mm-hmm. is, this is true about commodity culture in general. Commodities go, and then they immediately get transformed by the audience that has it, right? Yeah. So like pineapples become like, everybody can have pineapples now. Mm-hmm. And then they decide they're gonna change it again. And it seems like it's cyclical too, where it seems like whatever was the super luxurious elite, as soon as kind of middle-class people, yes. as soon as like the general population can get access to it, then styles yes. change. Well, exactly. okay, now we want to, that this is, I always see this in a shift between like, to minimalism. It's yep. like, okay, well, as soon as, as soon as everyone can kind of have all these really nice things or these replications of nice things in their home, it's like, well, now what we want is we want nothing in our home. We want it to be That's so right. stark and clean. It's That's like the, right. it's constantly shifting so that you can always be a step ahead or you can always be a little bit yep. above whatever the quote unquote common people are doing. That's exactly right. right. And it's, yeah. and it's been like, it's like, it's a historic thing. When you look at art, you even yeah. see that, like there's immediately knockoffs being produced. There's immediately cheaper ones. Like it's just because people that like is the whole on some level what I like want my TikToks to be about. People are just people. We were yeah. just always the same. Yeah. <laughs> and we're social animals. We're just social animals yeah. that want status. We just want yeah. to be accepted. And then ideally we want to be at the top of our group that's accepted. Yes. And if having a pineapple on your dining room table um, or if having like a porcelain tchotchke on your shelf is the thing that makes you right. special, then that's that's it. Wow. And And the thing that, you know, we didn't really get into, which I don't think we need to, is that it's funny because you think about something like porcelain and we're just sort of like, oh, it's just kind of this silly thing on the surface that everyone just really liked. And it fueled an entire 
region's economy, right? I mean, we're talking about then, if oh, we think absolutely. about the impact of China in world history for really 2000 years, they are like one of the most dominant economic powerhouses. And it's really being fueled by silk, porcelain, tea, these luxury Absolutely. items. Well, um, is, is there anything else you really wanted to add or talk about that I didn't ask you about that you didn't get a chance to? Yes, there's one last thing, which is that I Amazing. would love everybody. So we didn't talk about aesthetics at all. Like we <laughs> talked about all the history stuff. Yeah, I would love everybody to like look up porcelain and <laughs> like look for things that are not blue and white. I sort mm -hmm. of like glossed over it, but there's like, there's some porcelains, for example, there's one that I really love. There's like one, uh, and I don't remember the meaning of it. It's like good fortune, maybe it's plum, it's um, peaches and bats. So like there's oh. a common motif, peaches and bats, and it's a multicolored. Um, but there's a lot of beautiful porcelain. There's a lot of beautiful porcelain out of um, Korea, like moon, mm. um, moon vessels. And then there's, um, you know, a lot of kakemono ware out of Japan. You know, there's just a lot of porcelain in the world. And I think you should like go like look it up because it's so pretty. Like we talked about yeah. all the other important parts of it, but also you can like, I think when you look at it and you find something that you think is cool. Yeah. And you think, oh, I kind of want that. You get then it. You you're understand. like, I spent some exactly. money on that. Uh huh. Yeah, like you're like, I mean, I see sometimes like, like I'd be like, I just kind of want that. <laughs> I was in, um, and what I'll, what I'll mention too is that I might get some of your recommendations of some of your favorite pieces and I'll post them on my Instagram too oh, with this perfect. episode so people can yeah, slide, perfect. can go through and see. Yeah. But I mean, I was in Istanbul last November and I was in these markets oh, and cool. yeah, I had found this beautiful, you know, they have the little like touristy stuff. I'd love whatever. to travel with you. You travel right a lot. Yeah, we're going actually when this airs, we'll have already gone, but I'm leaving next week to go back to go to Vienna, Budapest and Istanbul with 25 adults, a lot of them teachers. Um, I think next July, we're going to go to Egypt. So wow. um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be amazing. But so when I was in Istanbul, yeah, there was this, I was like, okay, I don't really need anything else. I already bought literally like a rug that I was gonna have to carry back. I bought so much stuff. And there was this beautiful, I'm now realizing porcelain vase, like a little single bud vase, right? Not useful at all. It literally sits on my shelf. It's just beautiful. And man, the amount of money I was willing to spend, I'm now realizing on that vase. And I was like, but I love it. Every time I walk by, it makes me yes. think of that trip. I love, love it. it. People come in and they're like, that's so beautiful. And I get to tell them this story. Like, I think we all can relate mm -hmm. to that. And we mm -hmm. just need to remember that mm -hmm. people that were in the past were not any different than we were. And exactly. they wanted, they just thought something looked cool and they were willing exactly. to pay a weird amount of money to get it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Well said. Well said. <laughs> here, here. Well said. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for helping me kind of contextualize. This is a thing that, that gets talked about in a lot of history classes as just a little aside. Anyway, yada, 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 silk and porcelain and tea, and we move on. And I knew that there was so much more to kind of explore. Um, so if people really like you and like what you're doing, I mean, they should go find you on TikTok, right? And you should. Handle I'm at, at Artlust TikTok, A-R-T-L-U-S-T. And I have a podcast too, Artlust Podcast. Oh, great. Um, and what kind of stuff do you do? I mean, is it mostly just longer form Artists. of what you do in your TikTok? Yeah, it's longer form. The same stuff I do in the TikToks. Um, oh, that's amazing. Form. One we're doing this week, though, is kind of great for teachers, I think. We're doing critical thinking. So if anyone listening especially is a history teacher and wants to incorporate more art, then, then SEMA is a resource that you should be following because I know for a lot of teachers, right, if you're trying to focus on the whole history of the planet, it's like, well, I want to incorporate more art, but the amount of time and expertise it takes to figure out what to talk about. And so I know for me, I have, I've saved and like favorited a lot of your TikToks to be like, oh, oh great. 
that's a little snippet now that I don't have to go research myself that I can bring up to my students next year. Um, So thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to my guest, Seema Rao, for coming and teaching me all about this thing that I talk about every year in my world history class, but never quite understood why we were always talking about it. Again, you should go follow her, especially on TikTok at Artlust. You will learn so much. She does what I do with history, but like contextualizes essentially art, architecture, art history. Join us on the next episode where I'm going to teach Seema about the topic of one of my graduate school, basically master's thesis papers. I'm going to teach her about the 1968 Mexico City Olympics, specifically the design elements of the Olympic Games and why they're so fascinating and something that we should all learn more about. As always, the two best ways to support this podcast and just all of my content is number one, just to share it. Share it with people who you think would like it. Let people know that I exist. Number two, if you can, please join Patreon. Patreon.com slash anti-social studies. That is really my main source of income to pay for my producer, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, thank you. Uh, To kind of justify taking time out of my day, out of my kind of teaching schedule, teaching high school history, to make this sort of content, which I love doing. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you next week.